1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as I bow in your presence, thank you for another privilege to preach. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God, for the eternal, everlasting Word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with us tonight as we have read the Scripture and as I seek to uh, bring the message from your Word. I pray the Spirit of God to give me wisdom and understanding and the power of the Holy Spirit to rest upon me that I could just be a vessel that you could fill and use. Bless our time together, and we'll praise you for what's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I want to talk to you tonight about spiritual athletics, our spiritual Olympics. The Olympic Games, I, I can't remember right off how long they have been going on, but uh, they certainly were going on in the days of the Apostle Paul because he has that in mind when he writes this scripture here. The Holy Spirit is inspiring this. And uh, uh, we have, of course, in the Bible, uh, common things, people, uh, things that people were familiar with uh, that were used to teach spiritual truth. Now, we'll be going this week with the, some of the young people to the wilds, their yearly pilgrimage and to count there. And uh, Tuesday, Lord willing, weather permitting, we'll be going to... Uh, track, and, and they will be competing in uh, uh, various track events, uh, running long jump, and, and uh, of course the, the track, the running, and uh, various things. So uh, uh, that uh, kind of reminded me of, of this scripture here tonight. And we'd like to look at about seven different uh, ath athletics that the Bible talks about and compares it to the Christian pilgrimage. And the first one is here in verse 24, and that is the foot race. And he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Now the difference, of course, in a track meet and 100-yard dash, 220, or or whatever, only one can win first place. Uh, and I was talking to Justin about the mile. Uh, I believe it was 95. Uh, we had a young man that uh, run the mile in less than five minutes. I think it was four minutes and 48 seconds or something like that, which is uh, quite an accomplishment uh, for a high schooler. But uh, anyway... Uh, only one gets the prize. But in the Christian race, everybody can win. Isn't that wonderful? So run that you may obtain. You know, I've had people say, you know, just so I barely get to heaven, that's all I care about. Well, I want to tell you, when you get there, it won't be that way. 
And I hope uh, people realize that now, that I don't want to get in just by the skin of my teeth. And by the way, that is in the Bible. Uh, we looked at that uh, Wednesday night from the book of Job. It talks about the skin of the skin of your teeth. And I don't know, that, as I said Wednesday night, that I understand all that means. But uh, uh, certainly we ought to desire to, uh, to have a reward when we get there. And as I said this morning, we, uh, we're going by the grace of God or we're not going at all. Uh, nobody will be able to stand in, on the streets of glory and say, I finally made it. By my own efforts, I got in. There'll be none of that in heaven. And I told you about a funeral I had one time with a preacher, and, and he said it's going to take all you can muster up just to barely get in. What I want to tell you, all you can muster up won't get you in. <laughs> you have to go through the blood. You have to go through the, the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, the foot race, now they run this race for a crown made of wild olive branches. Now think of that, the discipline and the effort and all that goes in to get the crown that in a short time is going to be dried up. You know, I've heard comments many times of, uh, at funerals, uh, you know, all the beautiful flowers, and they are beautiful, and and it amazes me how they can grow those things year-round in the hothouses and how beautiful they are in that controlled environment. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're gone. The, the, the live flowers are gone in a, in a short while, aren't they? They sure don't last. And here he says that they that run in a race, they run for that prize, for that crown, that earthly crown. And in reality, everything... Everything that, uh, that exists in this world is corruptible and temporal. Uh, they were talking about the Titanic, and they found the thing, you know, there in about 12,000 feet of water, uh, and uh, they believe that about 20% of it is already deteriorated and gone. And if, if time goes on in, a, in, in several hundred years, there'll be no trace of it. It'll be gone. Even a... A ship that, uh, that was made of steel and you'd think would last forever, even steel deteriorates, don't it? Everything is corruptible. Well, we have certainly a greater race that we're involved in. Then, he, then not only that, but he refers to the boxing ring here in this scripture. Now, he talks about that uh, those that strive for the mastery, those that want to get the crown or temperate, uh, they're self-discipline. And if there's one thing that I observe in today's society, there's very little discipline. Uh, people have become soft and, and, and are not willing to suffer hardship. Uh, you know, the old-timers, uh, uh, they knew what it was to, to have tough times, and, and uh, they were quite disciplined. But I think we have a generation now that sits in front of the television and and has very little self-discipline. But uh, here are these athletes. Now they do it to obtain a crutchable crown. Then he goes on, verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Now the whole idea, and I don't know anything about boxing except, I think the idea is the land blows on the other fellow. <laughs> 
uh, more than he lands on you anyway. Uh, that's the idea uh, in a boxing match. And he said, he said, a person that does that uh, is so fine, I'm not as one that beateth the air. He said, I'm not just trying to land this, this beef there. I'm trying to hit the opponent. And uh, that ought to be, of course, their desire. Now, he goes on and makes an unusual statement in verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest I by any means what I preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, here, he uh, uh, in verse 27, I keep under my body and bring this subjection. He has the idea, the, the idea there is to strike under the eye to make one black and blue. Uh, you know, to give a black eye. But the amazing thing he says here is I'm doing it to myself. Now, not many want to do that, do they? But that's what he's saying, really. I keep under my body... And this old body of theirs just don't want to serve God. Uh, it has to be disciplined. Paul said, I die daily. And it has to be crucified. It needs to be uh, uh, given a black eye, if you please, to strike and make black and blue and keep it in subjection. You know, I, I, I may, I'm amazed sometimes that after all this time, that I still have problems with the flesh. Isn't that amazing? You that's been saved for any period of time and tried to serve God, it's still a battle, isn't it? Uh, don't seem to get any easier. <laughs> Sometimes you think it even gets harder. But uh, that's the Christian life. And he makes that comparison. Now, this comparison is also made in, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Uh, where he says, uh, and uh, verse 11 and 12, But thy, O man of God, flee these things. He talks about the danger of love, the love of money. Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay a hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Three things he tells him to do. You need to know when to retreat. You need to know when to flee. Then you need to know what to follow. Then he says, fight the good fight of faith. Jude said to earnestly contend for the faith. And that's not easy to do in today's society. As I mentioned in the opening this morning, I believe in the King James Version of the Bible. Boy, I'll tell you, I'm in the minority. Do you realize that? And I believe that you believe that. But you are definitely in the minority in today's society. But God said to earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. And so it is a battle. It is a boxing match. It is a fight. And we need to realize that. So he said back in Corinthians, I keep under my body, bringing in subjection, lest I by any means. When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That a person can be disapproved. A person can become unfit. And he said, therefore, I discipline this body. I beat it black and blue. I give myself black eyes. 
lest I get to the place that I'm, not, I'm unfit for God to use me. I lose my testimony. And that's always a danger. You know, as a pastor, if my testimony is gone, my ministry is gone. And my effectiveness for God. And this old flesh, of course, is something that we have to discipline that that may not happen. Then he goes on, not only is he talking about a foot race and a boxing ring, but he also talks about the relay race. The relay. Now, uh, the relay is where, uh, where you run so far and then you pass the baton to the next runner. And he runs so far. And on and on. Uh, and uh, usually in, in our track events, there's four. Is, is the limit. There's the mile relay and, and the uh, 440 relay and, and uh, each runner runs, runs a short distance and passes off to the next runner. And the Lord uses that. The Bible talks about that uh, here. And uh, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and we'll see this uh, relay race. 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 2 and uh, verse... Uh, Verse 1 of 2 Timothy 2, page 1280. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now there you have the relay race. He said, I want you to be strong. The things I taught you, I want you to teach others so they can teach others. I want you to pass the baton on. And it needs to be given to faithful men. You know, the verse, there's a verse of Scripture that says, When the Lord cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And I, I used to read that and wonder what the Lord is talking about. But the more I live and the longer I live, the more I realize, really, uh, that faithfulness is, is a commodity that's hard to find these days. But God wants us to be faithful. Now, we have this truth in the Old Testament in a couple of places. If you'd like to look with us in Psalm 78. In fact, I'd encourage you to see this scripture because it uh, uh, has, uh, has some wonderful things to say in Psalm 78. In verse 5 through 8. Listen to what he says here. Psalm 78, page 636, verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn, rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. So there you have the truth in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. You see, it just takes one generation to fail in the responsibility to turn a whole nation against God. And that's what's happened to America is that we've not done what God commanded us to do. That's what Israel did. They failed in that responsibility, and so likewise we have failed. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
and verse 6 through 9, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontless between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. You know what he's saying? He's saying the Lord ought to be a part of daily conversations. When you're sitting in your house, when you get up, when you lay down, you ought to talk about the Lord and the things of God. And those things many times are not spoken of. Then we wonder why things happen as they do. I want to tell you, this is a relay race. And as parents, we have responsibility to teach the children so the children may know about God and they may grow up and teach their children. You know, I've seen this happen to churches. I've seen it happen to colleges, schools that, uh, that uh, train people in the, in the things of God, in the ministry, and schools that... Uh, uh, that were conservative and fundamental and believed in the Word of God. You just take a, a couple of generations and a lot of times you would not even know those schools. I have an article in, here in my Bible I, uh, talking about uh, uh, the conversion of Charles Fuller. And uh, what was it? The old-time gospel hour or something like that? Old-fashioned gospel hour and, and one thousands of people of Jesus Christ. He was saved by, under the ministry of Paul Rader. And, uh, but a Fuller Theological Seminary was a very conservative seminary. But I am told that that school is, is so liberal you would not believe it now. And we see what has happened. And why did it happen? because the truths of God's Word did not come on down to the next generation. And it's lost. Well, we need to relay the truth. Number four, there's the obstacle course. We don't have that at our camp. That's the hurdles. And that is where you run. You have to jump over an obstacle. And, and there may be several in the way. And you jump these hurdles. You, you, all you encounter these obstacles along the way. And I want to say that the Christian life has its obstacles. There are hurdles to go over. And if you've served God for any period of time, you've already come to realize you're going to have some trouble. If you do anything for God, that is. You know, I don't think some people have any opposition from the devil because the devil's already got them. But if you try to serve God, it's a battle. It's an obstacle course. In Galatians 5, 7, he says, You did, you did run well. Who doth hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Paul writes to these Christians. He said, You started out good, but now these obstacles have hindered you, and you've slowed down. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, For a great door, and effectual is open to me, and there are many adversaries. That's what Paul said. You stay the ministry of the Apostle Paul. I'll tell you everywhere he went, he had trouble. 
He had adversaries. He had obstacles to overcome everything he ever tried to do for God. He had opposition and those that were trying to oppose him. You read in Corinthians there, in 2 Corinthians, I think it's about 11, somewhere along there, but he talks about what he went through. He talks about the shipwreck. He talks about his beating with rods. He talks about the beating with stripes and the hunger and the thirst and, and, and all these things that he encountered along the way. Someone said that wherever he went, he, he had a ride or a revival, and most of the time both. They run him out of town. They put, put him in jail. They put stripes on his back. And they sing. he sang and prayed there at midnight in the jail. And God opened the prison doors. Well, the Christian life is this spiritual athletics. There's an obstacle course to overcome. Then number five, there is the wrestling match. The wrestling match. Uh, uh, you know, I was talking about the Hickox, I think it was, about this modern-day wrestling. And I tell you, that stuff is a joke. <laughs> my, uh, my, you know, it used to be, you know, it used to be uh, kind of believable anyway, I guess. And, of course, I realize those wrestlers have to be in, uh, I guess, pretty good shape to take those falls and all that, but... Uh, but all the other stuff, the entertainment part of it, I guess. And uh, my dad, uh, I don't know where he watches wrestling now, but he used to love that watch that wrestling. And Carolyn's dad, I, I, I really enjoyed watching him watch wrestling. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the the wrestling that they do in school, uh, uh, really nobody come to see that because it's really not entertaining. Uh, but it's more real. But anyway, uh, the Bible has something to say about wrestling, believe it or not. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, if you'd like to look at it, in Ephesians chapter number 6, uh, we read about, uh, about this wrestling that we're involved in. Listen to what it says. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle, there it is, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, taking you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having it all to stand. Then he makes a list of the equipment that we need. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our enemy is really the devil and the forces of evil. You know, if we're not careful, you know, we, we try to wrestle people instead of the real enemy. You know what makes people act the way they do? The devil or demons. And the Bible says we're wrestling against an enemy that we cannot even see, but is a very real enemy. And I tell you, it's not like, and of course, uh, what I think goes on in the modern day wrestling is wrestlers get together and plan their moves and say, now I'm going to do this to you and, and, and so forth. And, and uh, we, get, we rehearse all this and, you know, it'd be very entertaining and, 
you know, about the time I get you pinned down or something, here's going to come a couple running out and, and uh, you know, they're going to, uh, you know, do this and whatever. Well, I'll tell you, he didn't like that. He didn't like that with the devil, is it? He doesn't give you, he doesn't give you that kind of advantage. But he says, we're wrestling against the powers and the darkness of this world and the spiritual wickedness in high places. And of course, the rules in this wrestling, uh, they talks about in 2 Timothy 2, 5, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So there are rules to go by in athletics as well as other things. Then the Bible talks about the marathon. Hebrews 12. Turn there, please. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, I guess I'm amazed by this more than any other thing. You know, uh, when we go to the wilds, I always tell them that, uh, you know, that uh, the sponsors, we need, a, we need a, a, a track match, and my suggestion is the 50-foot run. That's, uh, that's about... About all I can handle, I think. But, uh, you know, I, I marvel that people can run 25 miles. I can't comprehend that. You talk about conditioning. You talk about discipline. To be able to run for miles without stopping. That's the marathon. The long race. And the Bible tells us here in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And I believe that's those in chapter 11. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, this marathon is a lifetime race. From the day God saved us to the day we crossed the finish line, it is a race all through life. That's what I want to do. I don't want to be one that stops along the way. I heard uh, about this race that has been a number of years ago now, but... Uh, but uh, what happened, this, this individual that won the race, they began to check, and they found out that the individual had, had gotten into the race when it was about over, and naturally was fresh and strong and outrun everybody. But they took the crown away. They took the prize away because they didn't run the whole race. You know, I believe, I believe there's going to be people have their reward. The Bible talks about that no man beguile you of your reward and it talks about receiving a full reward. Don't lose your reward and, uh, and don't lose, get a full reward. And I believe if we're going to get the reward, God expects us to stay in the race in the beginning to the end. The marathon. I mean, not run a... Uh, the last hundred yards or the last mile, but just get in there and stay with it and serve God when you feel like it and serve God when you don't feel like it. That's what Paul told Timothy. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. He said, preach it when they like it and preach it when they don't like it. Serve God when you feel like it and serve God when you don't feel like it. Just serve God. Just stay with it and be faithful. And... Uh, 
You know, uh, we need a backbone like a saw log, someone said. <laughs> we need to stay in the battle. And that's what, that's what I think is lacking in these days is people that'll, that'll get in the race and stay in the race and run the marathon. Well, you have to lay aside the weights. You know, it costs you, doesn't it? And the sin that so easily beset us, and I believe that's a sin of unbelief. But there's the marathon. Then finally, number seven is the final lap. And that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> you know, the final lap. You know, you go to a track, and Justin, he's going to run the mile. And uh, you know, that, uh, that, that track don't look too, too big from a distance. But if you're not in shape, you know, some of those fellows, they'll come and they say, I'm going to run the mile. And boy, that's four times around that track. And they head out like they're going to run off and leave everybody. Here they go around that track, just a flying. And about the second time around, their tongue falls out, and they're just, you know, just their legs are like jelly, and and they, you know, some of them they they're sitting down, <laughs> sitting down on the track. They've given up, they've quit, they've thrown in the towel. But you know, uh, I, and I try to tell people today, we're just about to the final lap. If I was going to quit God, I'd have quit him 20 years. Don't quit God now. You know, we're about to the end. <laughs> we're about to the final lap. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. He says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, uh, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm headed for the finish line. I'm pressing toward the mark. That's what I'm trying to do. Just like if you're shooting, you know, uh, a bow or shooting a rifle or whatever. What you aim for is, uh, is the bullseye. That's what you're shooting for. And that ought to be our target, the final lap. And, uh, you know, the story that I believe is the Boston Marathon. I can't remember how many miles. Some of you may know how many miles that, that Boston Marathon is, but it's it's uh, a long ways, number of miles. And the unique thing I'm told about that particular race, that particular marathon, is that right is near the end of the race, there is a long hill, sloping hill. And you can imagine, if you've run 20 miles, you don't need a hill. <laughs> you don't need a mountain. You run all these miles. You want the last part of it to be downhill. But not this race. And they say many will come and their body is crying out and their bones or muscles are aching and they, they come to that long hill and they look at that hill and they give up and they say, I cannot make it. 
but then there are others. They look at that hill and they find within themselves the strength and the energy and they say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to go up that hill. You know why? Because just beyond that long sloping hill is the finish line. And so they keep pressing on. And you may be going through some trials and some troubles in life, but I want to encourage you not to give up, not to throw in the towel, not to say I'm through, but because just beyond that dark valley, just beyond that last hill is the finish line. And we're going home to be with Jesus. Let's bow our heads, please.